Bibles, if you would please, to Ephesians chapter 6, 6th chapter of Ephesians, and we're uh, getting down close to the end of this study, although I don't know how long it'll take, maybe three or four more months, I don't know, that's close to the end for us though. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 tonight, and what we've been studying over the past several weeks is the, uh, really the, the, the different aspects of Paul's statement in Ephesians 5 verse number 21 where he speaks about submission. And Paul's statement there uh, teaches us that the Christian life is not one of self-assertiveness, but it's a life in where we lovingly submit ourselves to the authorities that God has put into our lives. And the basis for that, of course, would be that of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Uh, He was one who was equal with the Father, and yet... He submitted himself willingly in order to do his redemptive work. He submitted himself to the death of the cross. And, of course, he is our great example about how we are to be in submission. So Christ's uh, example of submission is, is, shows us that, that Paul is teaching that in all areas of our lives, we're to understand that there are these God-given authorities, and we're to willingly submit to those authorities. We all know that. Submission goes against our human grain, uh, mean really to, to put down ourselves and to stymie, you might say, our own self-promotion. It's not something that we really want to do. It's, it's just not a trait for humans to want to do that. And to submit and respect authority is not uh, something that we're generally happy with. And so there are people that in their marriages, there's trouble with submission in the home. Uh, for some people, there's trouble with submission in church. And, of course, that's not a good thing. But probably another area that's very difficult for a lot of people is the one that we're going to talk about tonight, and that's submission in the workplace. How is a Christian supposed to act towards his employer? And also, really, how is a Christian employer supposed to treat his employees? I'm not going to deal too much with that last aspect of it. That We're really going to talk more about Christians in the workplace themselves. So let's stand, if you would, please, for the reading of God's Word. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse number 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men." Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, the time we have to gather together tonight. Lord, help us to learn something from your word and just speak to our hearts through this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. How am I to act towards my employer? And how is my employer supposed to act towards me? At least if that's a Christian employer. Well, that's a very difficult topic. But I think probably the uh, most difficult aspect of this is what we talked about last week. And that's about the issue of slavery. And, of course, this, this particular part of the Scripture is talking about slaves and masters. And we wonder why, as we look at these Scriptures, that here is a perfect place, it seems like, for Paul to make a very clear-cut, definitive statement in the Bible about the evils of slavery. And why is it that we don't see in so many places where this is talked about that Paul didn't encourage slaves to run away? 
I mean, we're all agreed that slavery is an, an unjust, inst- unjust institution. It's a, a degrading human institution. And we wonder, why is it that Paul encourages slaves to obey their masters rather than taking off and escaping and trying to get away from such an evil institution? Well, that was the subject of last week's message, and we don't have time to really go back over all of that again. But that was the first point that we talked about, which was the problem of slavery. And the Bible's issue, uh, uh, method, I should say, of dealing with, with social issues is uh, to treat the heart. It's to deal with the heart. I mean, uh, an institution like slavery, the Bible teaches us that when you change the heart, then you can change man's relationships with other men. And there's no question, uh, I think, that the majority of the world is lost. We're very well aware of that. Uh, We're never going to be rid of evil in this world until Jesus Christ comes to this earth and he rules in perfect peace and righteousness. And so while we're living on this world in such an imperfect place with all the evil that's around it, what we really have to do is just learn how to live under the systems that are in place. You've heard the saying before, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And that's exactly the way that Paul attacks this issue in the scripture. So he starts by, by preaching a message that will change hearts. And of course, that's, that's the way that we have to deal with any political institution. Men's hearts are, are black with sin. And so it's impossible for us to force the government to capitulate to any kinds of Christian principles. We, we just are not able to do that because men's hearts are turned against God. And so if we ever expect that we're going to uh, have a great social change in this country and see all of these kinds of evils done away with, the only hope that we have is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The heart has to be changed. Well, tonight we want to move on and we want to see how this passage of Scripture deals with the workplace Now, we don't have slaves today, even though many of you may think that you're a slave in the place that you work. But we don't have slaves. uh, But that doesn't mean that we can't apply what we read in scriptures to the workplace today. So let's talk about that. We're going to talk about me and you and how we're to act in our workplace. So the second point of the message is the proper approach to work. The proper approach to work. Well, we all know finding a good job is a hard thing to do. In this, this part of the country, uh, finding a good job nowadays is very difficult. We have people all the time that come to us and say, you know, I've lost my job or I'm looking for another job. I need some better place of employment. And they ask us to pray about that. We put them on the prayer page. Many times we're, you know, God just blesses. And uh, most of the people that we prayed for to get jobs, they end up getting jobs. And, and Lord blesses them in that. Um, not long ago, Dave Sharon was looking for a job. He was uh, put in an application at the post office. And, you know, it takes a certain kind of person to work at a post office. Dave thought that he was the kind of guy that fit the bill that could work at a post office. So what they do is when they give you the employment test, they, they check out the temperament of post office workers. I mean, you have to be the right kind of a person. And so uh, they had a question on there for Dave. And they asked him, do you favor the overthrow of the United States by force, subversion, or violence? He thought that was multiple choice, so he circled violence on there. And they said, well, that's the perfect guy. That's the guy we need at the post office. (laughs) You might remember that uh, about two and a half years ago, I preached a message uh, similar to uh, the subject that we're talking about tonight. I know I'm flattering myself to think that you would remember a message that long ago. Uh, But I preached a message entitled, Take This Job and Love It. 
And uh, this, this sermon I'm going to preach tonight is kind of uh, uh, reworking some of the things that we talked about in that message. But let me ask you, how many of you could raise your hand tonight and say that you really love the job where you work right now? Wow, that's good. Uh, the rest of you, I'm sorry for you. But, you know, most people today, they, they really had a question like that. They wouldn't raise their hand and say, I really enjoy the job that I'm in. I really like to go to work. And, and they could say that they really enjoy work. Now, uh, most of us, uh, when it comes Monday morning and time to get up to go to work, that's not our favorite thing to do. Uh, even sometimes I don't want to get up on Monday morning. And I love my job. And the, it's not a function of whether I like the job or not. I absolutely do love my job. It's just a function I don't like to get up on Monday mornings. But most people in America, I mean, they do live under this mantra, so to speak, of TGIF. I mean, thank God it's Friday. They get up and they go to work on Monday. And uh, the only thing they ever think about is, please get me to Friday. And they just look for the end of the week on Friday. And everything that they do from Monday all the way through Friday is simply drudgery. Well, I think the Bible teaches us that there is a way that we can turn that around. I mean, even if you're in a place where, you know, it's maybe not the best place of employment, there is a way to approach your job in which you can be happy and and which the Lord can really bless you in the work that you do there. And I think that Paul gives us the secret to that in this passage. Now, verse number five, we want to read this again. I'm going to read this just a little bit differently, and we're going to change the words somewhat. So don't, ex- don't uh, accuse me of trying to change the King James Bible. But we're going to replace some of the words in here by substituting employees and employers. So let's look at verse number five. Employees, be obedient to them that are your employers, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the employees of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. The first thing that you need to do in order to be happy in your job is to understand that your boss is a stand-in for Jesus. Now, that probably blows your mind. Some of you think, that's the craziest thing that I ever heard. And you might have the meanest crankiest, onriest boss that you could possibly have. And you could think, well, there's no possible way that my boss is anything at all like Jesus. Well, notice I didn't say that your boss was like Jesus. I said that he's a stand-in for Jesus. And what I mean is he may be nothing at all like Jesus, but in the issue or, or the area of authority, you're to consider his authority to be the same kind of authority that Jesus has. Now, if you thought about this, that that if you arrived at work every single day and you thought, Jesus is my boss, how would that change the way that you approach your work, how how good good of work that you do or, or the attitude that you might have as you go there? You know, I'm probably the only one in here that's conscious of the fact that, yes, when I do come to work, that Jesus really is my boss. I mean, he's the one that I report to every day. Some people think I report to Donna, and she's the boss, and sometimes I think that too. But Jesus really is the boss. But I'm not the only one in this room who ought to consider that Jesus is the boss. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, Paul states this in another way that really reflects the proper attitude of how we're to look at work. He says, and whatsoever ye do, and of course that would include the workplace, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. 
So if you go to work every day and you think, what I'm doing here, I'm going to do to the very best of my ability because I'm really working for Jesus, don't you think that'd change your attitude just a little bit? I mean, wouldn't you have a different outlook? Because what you need to do when you go to work, you need to go into work with enthusiasm because every job that you do for Jesus is a job that ought to be done with enthusiasm. So you have to think about it, that that Jesus is the one who's really the authority here, and everything that we do is doing work for him. Martin Luther said, The maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God just as much as the monk who prays, not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes. Because God is interested in good craftsmanship. So you see, Paul is telling us there that that if you think about this like Jesus is in the room with you whenever you do your work, when you're sitting there at at your desk or whether you're on an assembly line or wherever it might be, if, if you consider that Jesus is in the room and Jesus is watching me and every job that I do here I'm doing for Christ approval, you're going to have a better experience in the workplace. And, and when you do that, when you think about doing it for Christ's approval, you'll understand that the job that you do, if it meets his approval, it's certainly going to meet your boss's approval. So do your job like it's for Jesus. Your boss is a stand-in for Jesus. Now, the second thing that you can do in your approach to work is to excel by doing the unexpected. You'll notice here in verse number 6 that Paul says, "...not with eye service as men-pleasers." And when he says, not with eye service, he means the kind of employee that that keeps one eye on the boss to see where the boss is and what the boss is doing. And, And while the boss is away, they try to do just as little as they can to get by. When they know the boss is not watching and they don't have that oversight there, then they try to get away with as much as they can. And they only really do enough work to keep the boss off of their backs. One of my brothers-in-law in in Kentucky is a a plant manager of Rexnord. I don't know if you're familiar with Rexnord, but that is the uh, company that bought out Westinghouse Airbrake. And he's the plant manager over the whole plant there in Lexington. Well, there was a man in our church that worked for him. Now, my um, brother-in-law, he's a Roman Catholic. And I, quite frankly, I'm not sure about his salvation. He claims to be saved, but uh, I'm not sure that he is. And so it concerns me very much about how my family uh, lives in front of him and the kind of testimony that they give. Well, we had a man in our church back in Kentucky who worked for my brother-in-law in in this plant. I don't remember uh, what the occasion was or why this was brought up, but this man's name came up in conversation, and my brother-in-law told me, well, I really really don't think very much of that man. And he said, he's not the kind of fellow that, that works like he's supposed to. He's lazy. He just get, gets enough done to get by. And he says, I don't consider him to be a very good employee. Well, I could just see it in his eyes, and I could hear it in my ears, what he really thought. Because what he was saying to me, this person goes to your church. And if that's what your church is about, and that's what Christianity is about, something is seriously wrong. Well, this is the very thing that Paul is addressing here. I mean, this is the point that he's making. He's talking about how Christianity should permeate our lifestyles. 
Now, especially as he's talking about slaves and masters, that, that how could a slave change the master's attitude towards him? How can he improve the position that he's in? Well, one way to do it is to do the work that he's supposed to do, do the work that's required, and then go above and beyond what he's asked to do and do a good job as he does it. And hopefully that would change the master's attitude towards him. And Paul puts it in such terms that maybe that slave could even be such a testimony to his boss that he even might come to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. Peter said, For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil. So Paul back here in our text verses, he's talking about eye service. And that means, you know, keeping your eye on the boss. And when you see the boss coming around the corner, then you get real busy and you start to work. And the boss, as he passes you by, he thinks, wow, you know, what a fine employee that is. And really all the time, you're just a deceiver. You're not doing the work that you're supposed to do. Years ago, um, when I was younger and living in Kentucky, I I owned a construction company. And uh, I was self-employed, worked for myself. And I learned very quickly that if I was going to make a living in this world, that I was going to have to bust my rear end to do the job. I mean, I was working for myself, and I had to work hard in order to keep things going to make sure that I could make a living. So I was the kind of person that was always in a hurry, I'd have jobs that were going on in different parts of town. And so uh, what I did, I'd have to run from this place to that place, back and forth across town dozens of times during the day in order to check on jobs to see if they're going, very, going well. And so I, I got to a place where I was always a person in a hurry. And so I'd speed from one side of town to the other. I'd get there as fast as I could. And over the years, I developed a sense of which people out there on the highways work for themselves and people that work for somebody else. You know, I, I had that habit of being in a hurry. I mean, I walk fast, I drive fast, I get from here. You don't believe that, do you? I get here, from here to there as fast as I can. I don't have a fish on the back of my car because I don't want anybody to think that crazy guy's a Christian. So I don't do that. But, but, I, but I try to get there just as fast as I can. Well, the other day I was driving down here on a golf course, I believe it was, and I got behind a guy that's driving 10 miles per hour under the speed limit. And I'm following him along there, and I notice that he's driving some kind of a service vehicle. Well, I have a flashback right then, and I think, there's a guy that works for somebody else. I mean, he's not in a hurry to get anywhere. He, he's, he's probably on his way to the next job. He's not anxious to get there, so he's dragging his feet. He's driving slow because he doesn't want to work. He doesn't want to get there, and so he's just piddling around all the time. Well, I don't think that's the way a Christian ought to be. I think a Christian ought to be a person who, who's busy all the time and working as hard as you can and, and getting from here to there as fast as you can, just like you're self-employed. And if you, if you worked on your job, like, like it all depended upon me, and if I don't do it, then it's not going to get done. I'm going to starve to death. I, you're going to impress your employer if you do things like that. So a, a Christian really ought to be a person who goes beyond what's expected of them. And should you ever have to leave a job and and get a job somewhere else, your employer ought to be sorry to see you go, and he ought to be able to give you a glowing recommendation to the next job that you go to. And it really ought to be that, that in this world, that when employers look for somebody to hire, that they would be saying, I sure do hope that a Christian applies for this job, because Christians always make the best workers. But that's not the way that it is. 
I mean, most of the time, Christians are just as lazy as the next person. And I'll tell you, if you're the kind of person that at work, you stand around with your hands in your pockets, and when you have to move from here over there, and you shuffle your feet like a 90-year-old man, just barely able to get over there, and uh, you, you, you have no kind of zest or zing about what you do, that's the wrong kind of employee. God expects us, I think, to be on top of things all the time. Keep a spring in your step. Be ready to tackle your job and do your job with enthusiasm. Now, that brings me to the next point. The proper approach to work is to endure without whining. Now, I can tell you what would happen to a slave in Paul's day if he complained all the time. If every time he was told to do something, he whined about it and didn't want to do it. What would happen to a slave like that? He'd end up with his head on a chopping block. Well, we live in America, so we don't have those kinds of pressures. We don't have anybody standing over us and most of the time and making us do what we have to do. Nowadays, if a guy is lazy and, and doesn't want to work, then you can't fire him anymore, especially if he's in the union. Forget about that. And so what we have become is a bunch of American workers that whine and groan and whimper about everything. We complain about everything that takes place at work. Well, there's no doubt that from time to time, you are going to run into bad situations in work as a Christian. I mean, there are lots of unpleasant circumstances. Even when people try to do their very best, you try to be the very best employee that you can, you're going to run into a boss or somebody else sooner or later. They're not going to like you. They're not going to like the work that you do. And they're going to make things hard on you. Well, think about Jesus. You know what was said about Jesus? It's, it was said about him, he hath done all things well. How could you not like somebody who does all things well? And yet J- Jesus was hated. He was despised. He was rejected of men. And of course, that's a problem of the human heart. And, and this is the same thing that Christians meet in the workplace all the time. Even when you try to do your very best, you're going to find out that there are people that don't like you And sometimes when they find out that you're a Christian and you try to stand for something, they like you even less. I don't know, I told you about this, uh, I think the last time I was dealing with this subject, uh, there was a a cartoon in uh, The Wizard of Id. Anybody read The Wizard of Id? Okay, not, does anybody know who The Wizard of Id is? Okay, uh, if you know that, that helps a little bit. Do you know who Rodney is? Rodney's the knight for the wizard, for for the king. And uh, Rodney comes in to talk to the king, and uh, the king asks him, he says, where have you been? And he says, well, I've been out fighting our enemies in the west. He said, I've been out there, I've ravaged, and I've pillaged, and I've burned all of our enemies in the west. And the king said, we don't have any enemies in the west. He said, well, now you do. (laughs) So, when you have enemies, what you can't do, you can't shovel to them the same thing that they shovel at you. You have to hold back and restrain yourself. Here's what Paul said. And labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer, being defamed, we entreat. The Bible teaches us not to be complaining Christians. And you've all probably seen that cartoon too of the uh, complaint department and uh, There's a sign there that says, uh, if you have a complaint, take a number, and the number's attached to the pin of a hand grenade. Well, Christian people ought not to be complaining people, and that's because complaining is contagious. You take a person at work that begins to complain, and he's around other people, they start to complain too. 
Complaining is a contagious disease, and you don't want to be a carrier of that. So don't be a whining, complaining Christian. John MacArthur said, Being a Christian should always make a person a better, more productive, and more agreeable worker. People will not be inclined to listen to the testimony of a Christian who does shoddy, careless work or who is constantly complaining. So that brings us to the next point of the sermon, and that is the personal reward of work. John MacArthur's words were that people are not inclined to listen to the testimony of a Christian who does poor work, shoddy work, constantly complains about all that he does. And why is that so important to us? Well, I think it's important because God has bigger things in mind for you than just the job in which you work. You see, when you got saved, God did not immediately zap you with a lightning bolt and take you to heaven because God has a bigger job for you. God has something that he wants you to do, and God has left you in this world for a purpose. You remember Paul, uh, when he was coming down near the end of his life, he'd served the Lord faithfully. He'd been through a lot of things. I mean, goodness knows the things that Paul went through, the, the beatings and, the, and uh, st- the stonings and shipwrecks and all those things that Paul went through. Well, he came down to the end of his life, and Paul wasn't about to die of old age or anything like that. He was about to become a martyr for Christ. And when he came right down to the very end, he wrote this in Philippians chapter 1. He said, For I am in a strait betwixt two having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So here's Paul. He's ready to be taken home to heaven. Uh, His life has been so difficult. Now he's come to the end, and he's just ready to go. But what does he say here? I'm ready to go, but he says, I have a problem. I'm ready to die and to go home to be with the Lord. But then he says, that's best for me, but it's better for you if I stay here with you. You see, when God saved you, he left you here because it's better for this world to have somebody who's a Christian and who's a testimony and somebody who will witness to them the gospel of Christ than it is to take you home. God's left you here for a purpose. But the real question is, is the world really better off because God saved you and left you here. And I'm afraid in most cases for many Christians, the world is not better off because Christians have become a hindrance to the gospel. We don't help. We're bad testimonies and we never influence anybody for Christ. But I think that God has left you in your job, left you in this world because he has a bigger thing for you to do. Now, I want you to consider a couple of things here. The first one is, your job is your personal mission field. I've met a lot of Christians who, said, who, who say, you know, I wish that I could just get a job at the church. I mean, it would be just so wonderful. I could just go to the church and work every day, and I'd be away from all the world out there, and things would be really nice if I could just work at the church. Brother Dalton, you know how fun it is to work at the church, don't you? Don't think it's all it's cracked up to be sometimes. Uh, But people say, boy, I sure would like to work at the church. Or people will say, you know what I really would like to do? I'd like to be a missionary to a foreign field. If God would just call me to do that. Well, the first thing I would say is that God doesn't need Christians working in the church. God needs Christians working out there. He needs you in all these different places where lost people are, where you can be an influence on them. 
And really, you do have a mission field. Your mission field is out there in the place that you work. And if you have a desire to be a full-time Christian worker and to go to a mission field, if you won't talk to people where you work about the Lord, you will not be a success on the mission field. I mean, you have to apply yourself where you are. So if you go into work and you have the attitude that Jesus is my boss and the work that I've come here to do is God's work in this place, that will change your attitude about work. You see, because if you're going to be a missionary... If you look at the qualifications for pastors and missionaries and so forth, I mean, what do you think about, you know, people that are going to pastor or people you're going to send to the mission field? Well, you want people with good reputation. Uh, you want people that, that do work hard. You want people that are consistent about what they do and live like they should and so forth. And so if you are a missionary in your field out there where you work, what you're going to have to do, you're going to have to clean up your act. I mean, you're going to have to present a good picture before people there. You'll have to be the stellar employee. You can't have people looking at you and thinking that you're lazy and and, uh, not getting the job done. You can't be a person that complains all the time. That's not a good testimony for a Christian. And so if, if you do things like that, if you don't hold up your end there, your testimony is going to be shot before you ever get a chance to open your mouth. People are not going to listen to you on your job if you don't maintain some consistency about what you do. And that old adage that actions speak louder than words, it's never truer than when you apply it to a Christian in the workplace. And we find probably that there aren't many Christians who are able to win people at their work because they have presented such a poor testimony that people are just not going to listen to them. They can't win anybody. So your job is a mission field. And one of the personal rewards that you can receive from your work is when you put in the time and the effort and you be the kind of employees you're supposed to be and the kind of witness that you should be, you can enjoy the reward of winning people there to Christ. So, you know, in our area, there are very few people that, in, that uh, attend church. You know, back where I'm from in Kentucky, I think I told you once before, I could go, I could go five miles of my house and there are 80 Baptist churches. Not counting all the other churches, there's 80 Baptist churches. So everybody, just about everybody goes to church. Big churches too. I'm talking about three, four, five thousand members. And there's at least a dozen of them within 10 miles of my house in Kentucky. Here, people don't go to church like that. You know, people just don't wake up one day here in, in Roner Park, California and say, well, it's Sunday, I think it's time to go to church. People don't think like that. So they're not likely to show up on our doorstep and just walk into our services on Sunday morning. They have to have somebody to evangelize them. And the very best people to evangelize them are Christian people out in there in the workplace. They can give the gospel in a place where they're with them every day, working with them every day. And, and I'll say that it starts with that good testimony. Sometimes, you know, you... you uh, maybe you don't have opportunities like you'd ha- like to have uh, to talk with people on work, but if you at work, but if you present a good testimony to people, they're going to learn that something's different about you, and, and the Lord can use that to raise some interest in their hearts about what's different about you. So here's what you have to do then. As a Christian, you have to consider the personal impact that you have on people that are at your job. You have to maintain your consistency. You can't be a goody two-shoed Christian on one day and the ill-tempered, foul-mouthed, complaining Christian on another day. It's not going to work. And your reward at your work is that you can bring people to the Lord. Now, finally, let's look at this. Your motivation is the payoff. Your motivation is the payoff. If I ask you, how many of you want to go to work 
you would go to work this week and you'd work all week long and you go to work next week and you know for sure there is no payday at the end of the week. At the end of your pay period, there is no check waiting for you. How many of you are going to go to work under those circumstances? Dave, he just loves to work. I know he does. Most of us are not going to work during those circumstances. Well, there are a lot of Christians, though, who say, you know, uh, I'm going to work for Jesus whether I receive a reward or not. I just love to work for Jesus. And I suppose that that's okay. I mean, that's, that's fine, I guess. But you know the real facts of the matter? God says it is okay to work for the reward. I mean, you have all of these things in Scripture that, that talk about the incentive of working for Christ. And, the, and the, the, the admonishment of Scripture all the time is be faithful, be diligent in order to receive the reward. So God wants to reward you. So there's no real virtue if you look at it and say, well, I'm just going to work for Jesus and I don't care about the reward. God wants you to care about the reward because he wants to give it to you. So you you need to think about that motivation that God's going to reward me for what I do. Now, verse number eight says, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And so the scripture is telling us good, honest, hard work has a payoff. If we go back to the Old Testament, one of the greatest examples of this we have is in the life of Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. Long comes a bunch of mercenary Midianites and uh, they decide to sell their, his brothers decide to sell Joseph into slavery. And those Midianites took him down into Egypt and sold him into the house of a man named Potiphar. Well, immediately when Joseph became a slave in Potiphar's house, he went to work. He, he was a great slave, a great employee. He so impressed Potiphar that it wasn't long before Potiphar promoted him to be head over his entire household. Well, you know the story. Uh, Potiphar's wife uh, tried to entice Joseph into an affair, and Joseph refused to do that because he was a man of integrity. And so she falsely accused him, and Potiphar took him and had him put into prison. But you know what Joseph did when he was put into prison? He started right back again, being just a hard worker, doing what he's supposed to do. And there he is in prison, and he rises to the place where he is in control of the entire prison. He's a prisoner in charge of all the other prisoners. Well, he stayed there in that job. He was faithful. He told people about his God. Uh, He worked like he was supposed to work until God presented him with a great opportunity. There were two men that were uh, workers in Pharaoh's household who were sent to prison And these men had dreams, and Joseph told them that he was able to interpret their dreams. And in fact, Joseph did and interpreted them correctly. There was a chief baker, and and, uh, Joseph told him, he said, you know, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're going to have your head lifted off from you. The chief butler also had a dream, and Joseph said, but here's what's going to happen to you. You are going to be restored to your former position. And sure enough, exactly what Joseph said came true. Well, Joseph told the chief butler, he says, when you're released and you go back to your job, please mention my name to Pharaoh. Tell somebody about me. Well, the butler forgot about Joseph. And Joseph languished in that prison for a few more years, but he was still faithful and did what he was supposed to do. Finally, one night, Pharaoh had a dream that was disturbing. Two dreams, in fact, and Pharaoh didn't know what those dreams meant. He couldn't find anybody to interpret them. And then the chief butler thought, I know somebody. 
Somebody helped me one time, interpreted my dream. He said, I want to tell you about a guy named Joseph down in the prison. So they sent for Joseph, brought him out. Joseph heard the dreams of Pharaoh, interpreted them correctly. And Pharaoh looked at Joseph and he said, who better to take care of this problem that we've got, this great famine that's coming, than you? And so he appointed Joseph to be second in the command in all the land of Egypt. You know what all that was? It was a guy who just went to work, did the job that he was supposed to do, went beyond what he was supposed to do, was a stellar employee, and every time he rose in the ranks and every time he found favor with men, and as he did that, he was also finding favor with God. And so even when Joseph was in a situation where the chief butler had forgot him, and it looked like It looked like Joseph was going to have to spend the rest of his life in prison. He wasn't going to get out. He was in a bad circumstance. It looked like things couldn't work for him. Yet still he was faithful to God. And when he was faithful, because he was faithful, God gave him a reward. Now here's the thing about you in your workplace. You may be working there and you work as hard as you can. You endure to the best of your ability. You never whine. You never complain. Yet it looks like you're never going to get anywhere. You just keep on working and nobody appreciates what you do. Nobody pats you on the back or does anything else. But you just keep right on working. You know what the Bible's telling us? The Bible says there is a reward coming for a person who does what he's supposed to do in the area of the workplace. God is going to bless there. Now, you may not get your reward here. But a Christian who's always looking for the reward here has his eyes and his mind focused on the wrong thing. The Bible says the very best thing that we can do is to lay up treasures in heaven. Those things never corrupt. They're going to last for all of eternity. And God has promised us there is a reward. So the question is, what kind of an employee have you been? Hard work is a principle that we find in the Bible. Peter said, what you ought to do, you ought to labor for the bad boss as well as you do for the good one. He said, for even hereunto were ye called... Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Here's the last statement on your listening sheet. In the end, you will answer to God, not your boss. The scripture we just read said that Christ committed himself to the one who judges righteously. The boss that you work for, for spite, for whatever reasons that he might have, he may not judge you correctly. He may not care at all about what you go through, what your life is like, but he doesn't know your heart. God knows your heart. In our verses, it says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. And so always remember that good, honest, hard work is for the Lord, and it's not for men. And good, honest, hard work always brings a reward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and uh, thank you for principles that we find here that will help us in our lives. Lord, we know if we commit ourselves to you and to do your work, that you will reward us. And what a joy it is to reap the benefits of our labor. We pray, Lord, that you just might bless this invitation tonight. Draw us to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.